hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no. Welcome to the show, my little gothic socialist special agents. Hello, Molders. Hello, Scullies. Uh, however you identify. Um, or maybe you're one of the uh, <laughs> the lone gunmen. Those guys are welcome, too. Uh, <laughs> those guys kind of remind me of this podcast. Anyway, um, Hi, uh, I'm introing the show today because uh, what we're dealing with is a little bit of a lost episode. Not quite. Um, I lost some audio, uh, so I'll have to fill in and sort of uh, explain what happened. Uh, um, we recorded from uh, three different parts of the planet over a shoddy, you know, sort of like online recording session. So, um, I think we got dropped. I don't know. I'm not sure a couple times. And so we lost like 10 minutes of this podcast, but it's mostly there. And I'm very excited about the episode that we have today. I think it's been uh, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And it all sort of came together around the fact that our pal, uh, you might know him as AP Andy from the Antifada, our, uh, our friends, our sister podcast, dare I say over there, um, is, uh, you know, a, a UFO guy and a uh, you know and a socialist and a um, and he wrote a book about Jay Posadas. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, I read it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, you can read it when it comes out on April twentieth. Wink, wink. Um, he wrote it under his you know his formal author name. You'll find it. Uh, Written by A.M. Gitlitz. It's titled, I Want to Believe, Posadism and Left-Wing Ufology. I think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> we'll learn about that on the podcast. But, um, yeah, so Andy wrote this book uh, about Jay Posadas and, um, you know, how he was a, uh, you know, this Latin American Trotskyist that is... Uh, has an interesting legacy and uh you know you might know him from all the memes with the dolphins and the aliens and the explosions and stuff uh, but if you want to know more about him and you read a really interesting explanation of uh you know, his thought and his role in this whole big thing uh definitely check out andy's book uh we'll be plugging the shit out of it all the information will be in the uh the podcast description um so we wanted to do an episode with him about that to promote the book, and I uh, couldn't think of a better way to, you know, to, to um, what do you call it, a better way to, like, flavor this or accompany it than uh, 
having on a guest that I really wanted to have on for a long time, um, who is one of podcasting entertainment's you know foremost UFO guys, uh, foremost ambassadors from the world of ufology to us, you know? <laughs> um, so we got Henry Zabrowski from the last podcast on the left, which I'm sure we have some overlap with. I'm sure some of you guys are fans. That's like one of my favorite fucking podcasts because I'm a, you know, I'm a fucking Halloween person. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a predictable young man whose personality is comprised of various facts of, about serial killers. Um... <laughs> Yeah, never said I was uh, original. I just fucking love that shit. But um, yeah, Henry uh, agreed to come talk to us about UFOs and stuff, and then we all just kind of had a big conversation about all the various things that we all you know brought to uh, the table regarding this this overlapping of the ideas of Marxism and UFOs. It was really cool. Um, that being said, we recorded it on. Um, three different computers on three different parts of the planet in very tenuous Wi-Fi situations. I think Andy was in Guatemala in I don't fucking know where. <laughs> he was in a weird barren room in South America somewhere. And uh, and so I, we our call got dropped a few times. And so um, for that reason, the audio is a little shaky. And also uh, we lost like the last 10 minutes. So... Um, there's a little bit of content at the end of this that we lost, but, uh, I think I'll probably, I, the book was so good and we, I, we barely even scratched the surface of it. So I think what we're going to do is probably do more on this topic cause it fucking rules. Um, yeah, so, uh, I'll come back and then I'll, I'll, I'll do an outro and get everyone's plugs in. So we make sure to promote the shit out of everything we're doing here. But, um, Hopefully, hopefully, if you don't know these guys, you will by the end of it. Uh, AP Andy from the Antifada, Henry Zabrowski from Last Podcast on the Left. Um, they uh, obviously Andy has his book out, and uh, and Last Podcast has a book coming out. So it's fucking booksy podcasts all around, and aliens, and uh, and socialism for some reason. All right, enjoy the show. All right. <laughs> I think that'll make this make sense later. All right, fuck it. Fuck it. Let's just fucking start. Fuck it. Was Welcome. that the sync to record on our end or or what? I don't know. This will okay. help me. Yeah. Do I have to kit? Do I have to click something on my nope. end? We it are should going. all be recorded in the website. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everything's everything just records on the website, okay, and then we're it. good. You are good. All you got to do is, uh, man. Stay, just sit there and look beautiful. Stay you know? pretty. Smile. Uh-huh. Yeah, just smile. That's what I'm used to. I'm used to Los Angeles, man. Just get on all fours and just <laughs> gape. If you want to work, huge here. Oh, yeah. Tinseltown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the gothic socialist podcast for the stupid Whoa. children. Uh, I am Jake Flores. Uh, Alex Patak is with me today. I'm Jake's friend, Alex. <laughs> Um, Andrews Lee's not here. Andrews Lee not here. This is the only episode Andrews will not be on ever. And he had a tum <laughs> sickness. I, he has to have the worst case of diarrhea. To <laughs> it's got to be so bad, dude. <laughs> that man He's never missed an episode. He's a workaholic. <laughs> like I've never seen and never misses episodes of this podcast that... He must be shitting directly Kratom, some like, of, out of his body. <laughs> some of the episodes that he's been sure to show up to, really, I love the man, but he does not need to be there when we he's talk He's thrown to up on mic twice. <laughs> 
That's true. So, Jesus Christ. <laughs> a, uh, you guys got to stop with the Kratom or Kratom. Yeah. You guys got to stop with that shit. It's not good. It's not good. We've if he stopped, crying. he would die. The power's yeah. gone to his head. Anders is talking to a William S. Burroughs talking asshole right now in a Kratom <laughs> haze. <laughs> um, I'm very excited about uh, today's show. I think this is one of the cooler, more on-brand things we've ever done. Uh, I would like now to introduce our guests, uh, Andy Gitlitz from Antifada. Hello, that's my real last name. Wait, should I not say your <laughs> real last name? No, that's, I'm an author now. My last that's name is going to be out there. People don't believe I, it's my last name. They're like, why did you choose that ridiculous pseudonym? That's my name. Andy, I've been meaning to ask you, what does the AP and AP Andy stand for? We talked about Associate producer. Show. It was a, it's a reference to the best show that nobody got, and I'm trying to kill oh, it, okay. but it's not working. I Let's just say like Antifada producer. Kind of thing. But anyway, Andy is uh, coming on today to talk about um, his upcoming book on Jay Posadas, and fittingly, we have with us... Someone who understands the art of I'm under to understand it is pronounced ufology. Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left. Welcome to the show. Thank you for correctly pronouncing it. Yes, technically it is ufology. Um, except I do prefer ufology because it's funner to say and it puts you it gets you <laughs> like involved in the study of UFOs. I like it. I like where we're going with this. Yeah. Um, yeah, Henry, uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, I know we're all huge fans of last podcast, and um, I know that you're a UFO guy. Um, for my more uh, kind of uh, nerdy, esoteric, edge-of-the-internet political psycho fans that listen to the show who may not be familiar specifically with, uh, with yourself and ufology, can you tell us a little bit about how some uh, how the study of UFOs and extraterrestrials is something that uh, you found in your life, why you like it, etc. I do believe that it did help cure a uh, a section of, of anxiety that I was experiencing. There's something about the idea of some form of higher intelligence being out in the universe brings calm to my life, where I uh, norm I have none of it. Because there's a void inside of me that I have to fill with entertainment and making people laugh. Hmm. And what's nice about uh, aliens and UFOs is that it's like way outside of all of that horseshit. It's way outside of uh, our government or 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 uh, you know how I screamed at a woman at the bank. It's nice that it 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 fulfills something else inside of me. And I think that it's also an incredibly important way of looking at life accepting these things into our brains understanding that reality is a little bit more complicated than we'd like to think it is i i think that it's it's important for our evolution as a species looking into space when you have depression can be key just to take a moment and say void in here I'm looking for a void out there. True. <laughs> I would by the void out there. I also, I, I just think, I just think they're fucking rad. I also like the idea that our, the a lot of the phenomena is psychedelic in nature. That all of our reality is an agreed upon consensus reality that's generated by the three pounds of jelly and fat in our heads. And so what we have to do is I think that aliens and stuff like that, it shows that things are a little bit more wiggly than they'd like it to be. But I, I think they don't like, I don't think the powers that be want us to think that reality is really wiggly or we have 
so much actual control over the way reality flows because if we if we all as a group understood that we would like we would dismantle the entire authoritarian system that we're under like we would it, it would it's hard to govern a bunch of people who believe that they can psychically project themselves out into the cosmos yeah now Absolutely. you're talking uh, yeah entirely on brand and i think we'll get to a little bit of what you're talking about probably when we get to these damn dolphins um, <laughs> it's because these fucking dolphins. <laughs> That's my prediction. Um, let's talk about one thing, I guess, before we dive right into the topic of the, uh, at hand, which is uh, we'll do we'll make it a little timely. We have a story in the news this week, yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah, I'm reading the news. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? I was uh, saw something on CNN. I think it was what, uh, Wednesday, so it's yesterday. Uh, a fun article going around: mysterious radio signal from space is repeating every 16 days. And it's a, uh, a pattern, uh, a radio pattern, I guess, or just a, a, a burst of waves that's coming in regularly every 16 days from half a billion light years away. Just to kind of underscore how far away space is. <laughs> and that we actually don't know shit about what's going on. Yeah. So this is a story from the loneliest lighthouse in the universe. The, uh, the scientist who has to sit on top of a mountain listening to... Uh, shit from space and going oh, a blip happened and i think i can make an argument call cnn tell them about the blip <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll like this one birds blowing each other in a lighthouse deep 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 into space <laughs> all of them just saying swab you do swab <laughs> Oh. Love that movie. They don't. I, what if I see? This is the problem. Is I want to jump immediately out on a limb and say shit where, like, what if these little blips are purposeful tricks from ultra terrestrials? Like they, they are not flesh and blood creatures that live sixteen billion light years from here, right? Like they don't live out there. They are they are really right on top of us, but they sort of orchestrate these uh these sort of rays these little signals that come from deep space in order to keep our little monkeys on this rock just jumping around talking about it well it's not beyond maybe they're the doing that sorry andy you go uh, yeah maybe they're doing that uh because they want us to keep looking they want to keep seti in business uh because of <laughs> course there's not a lot of funding left for seti like there used to be in the the 70s and 80s um or it's it they're not be coming just... up with anything they're not getting any results <laughs> And, and that's true. And that's what I think this most likely is, is the these SETI scientists saying like, oh, we probably found something. So you should pay attention to us and give us some funding and take us seriously. That's why I, one of these stories come up every couple of months. Right. Yeah. You um, might be asking yourself, like, well, how is this on brand? How is this related to our, uh, you know, our podcast about the downfalls of capitalism, et cetera? But I mean, there's no part of the monster mash that describes. This. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You haven't talked about Frankenstein <laughs> yet. I will later. I'm uh, <laughs> denouncing that now. But um, <laughs> the. Uh, uh, this can be understood, you know, by looking at like what happened to our own space program. I think by looking at, um, you know, the the history and the origins of our space program coming out of the space race, et cetera, and it having this more nationalistic bent. And then now what we have is, uh, I think it's referred to in one of these articles we read as astro liberalism. You know, we have the concept of uh, Elon Musk being the guy that's going to take us to space. And the only way you can get money corralled into it is not through government funding, but through profit. So, 
you got this person. In There's this, so much to sell out there. This person who's reading these these uh, you know sounds from space is trying to pitch us a story that like, look, there is something going on here because they're desperate for funding because it's not coming from the government anymore. So they have to figure out a way to fucking get Elon Musk involved. Uh, tell them this can help. You know, you could tell you could put you could have something to do with the with the space truck. Maybe yeah. we can use the the ship. I found Rick and Morty out there. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go get them. You gotta pick them up. They're out that there. That would be huge. <laughs> that would be huge. You gotta weaponize the Rick and Morty fans and send them to space. Get them. Get them on the case. I I wonder though. I think that if Elon Musk actually completed a single thing besides the battery for the Tesla. Like if he actually completed a single one of his Lex Luthor-like tasks, then maybe I'd believe that he would take us to space. I actually kind of believe in the idea of the private sector taking us up there simply because writing on the back of a search for profits, we will end up breaching farther into the galaxy. We lack a uh, an upward view as a species i feel like it was really nice for a while the imagining going into the final frontier and, and how there was more places for us to expand and it would give us hope but it seems that we're kind of stuck here uh yeah i mean that's certainly the argument that i think he's making and i think we're maybe making more of one of uh so it's not really panning out, and so we're just kind of hitting a wall, and who the fuck knows what's going to happen. Um, but I, yes. I think, um, Andy, do you want to speak to any of this at all? Because I know you wrote about this in the intro to your book. Please. Yeah, well, uh, the, the space program, NASA and SETI, um, both have gone, gone through the same kind of slash and burn neoliberalism as everything else in the government, and, you know, as, like, as much as NASA was kind of this militaristic, nationalistic um, propaganda vehicle, uh, it really did inspire everybody in the planet. It really did showcase how much humanity had achieved and could achieve. And even though it was a, a kind of an outgrowth of the Cold War, we were both pointing nukes to each other. We were suddenly pointing those same rockets to the sky with this uh, common task of of uh, uh, bettering humanity and uh, thinking about our future. Um, but we don't really do that anymore. Now we look to these billionaires like Musk and Bezos and Bigelow. Um, and uh, as a result, NASA is selling off everything to the, the private sector. Um, and everybody's hoping that Amazon and uh, SpaceX are going to uh, take us into a new space age. But we can see from what they're doing, this new space age is very regressive and destructive. You know, this this uh, satellite network that they're, uh, uh, SpaceX and Amazon are both launching simultaneously is going to destroy astronomy um, forever. You know, there's no way to clean this stuff up. Um, and that's just like the peak of the, just the top of the iceberg for how bad things can get if we let them like, you know, Trump is talking about launching like nuclear spaceships uh, and nonsense <laughs> like that, you know, oh, um, it's going to get stupider and stupider, of course. Yeah, and, uh, he, you know, Musk claims he's trying to improve things on Earth in, as he goes to Mars as a plan B. But I don't buy it. I think it's all just a flight of fancy for him. I do like that Trump wants to make Event Horizon real. That's a cool thing to do with the it's presidency. It's probably the most endearing thing about him. Um, it's the only thing I agree with, <laughs> with that he does. You need a force the, up the there. The idea of a space force... The Space Force is such a fun 
concept. Oh, yeah. The idea of all the uni- I love uniforms. I love the Scientology approach. The idea of using self-actualization mixed with a fake version of like kind of self-help stuff. Like you create a modern Starfleet and send them up into space. I think that would be a lot of fun. But I don't want them to get the credit. <laughs> yeah. I know, absolutely. Well, hopefully uh, we get Bernie in, and then he can just be like, I did it, I did the space thing. <laughs> we are keeping the force. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We must protect the stars. That'd be cool. <laughs> all the, they have the all, top 1% of the, has all the midichlorians <laughs> keeping us <laughs> from using them. Uh, <laughs> I, tell you, I don't believe that if we, got, if we don't build a community of Mars, we can go and we can get some early bird specials going on that. If there's some sort of Mars-based sizzle... But we can all go to him. Okay, Henry, you have accidentally touched on my next topic that I think we need to discuss, which is... The Sizzler. Yes. The Space Sizzler. There should be a Space Sizzler, because that is... I go. I love corn nuggets. Those corn nuggets, it's still good. (laughs) That is... I had some of those a while back when I was drunk. I did not like them. I'm from a different part of the country. Um, (laughs) But... I like anything that's like a yellow oh mayonnaise. Oh my god, what is with, there's just a brownish yellowness to food in certain mm-hmm. parts of this great mm-hmm. country. <laughs> great mm-hmm. land. Um, no, uh, the, the space sizzler, the Mars sizzler, is in theory w- just one small part of a thing you may have heard of on the internet referred to as fully automated luxury and sometimes gay space communism. This is Occasionally t- gay space <laughs> communism, Some, that's the expression. Sometimes they <laughs> shoot the word gay in there, why the hell not? Uh, <laughs> so- yeah, can you explain this to me? Because I did a little bit of research, uh, and, and as I was, I, that, that idea, the fully automated... Luxury communism is something that sounds like is, is that a is that like a, a car? <laughs> okay, is that a hatchback? I'm gonna give, it's a form of being gay in space. I'm going to give my uh, attempt at explaining it, and then I'm going to cede the floor to Andy, who wrote a book about it. But um, basically, you know, you might see these memes about this, uh, you know, this space communism and dolphins and astronaut suits, and this idea of a utopia. Right? It's a utopian idea, and part of the reason that it is tied to socialism is that uh, it goes back into this man's work we're going to study today, Posadas, but, um, but he was one of many thinkers in the history of, um, you know, of socialism and communism and Marxism, etc., who identified that the, uh, you know, the frontier of space is one that does raise an interesting question to those of us that are thinking about how we structure societies, because capitalism itself runs on scarcity. And so if there's a scarcity of goods and of... Uh, uh, you know, things to distribute and have value throughout society, well, that's where class, like, structure comes from. Someone has all the stuff, and then we have to mine the stuff for them, and then they can hoard it, use our labor against us, etc. But if there's space, if we were to eventually harness the power of technology and, you know, find an unlimited amount of resources in space, well then you might have a situation where you could create a utopia. So one of the metaphors that comes into play in like the science fiction novels that focus around this are factories that are entirely automated. Robots make all the shit and then you no longer have to buy and sell shit or food or whatever that you want to buy because um, because there's no scarcity. So everyone can just have as much as they want, etc. So this has been written about in um, a book by a uh, Aaron Bastani. I'm sorry. Aaron Bastani. Is he the? Is that the Say Re- his name. <laughs> is that the Red Star guy? <laughs> no, that's Bogdan. Uh, well, Bogd- Bogdanov. Um, 
Yeah, well, okay, so actually, yeah, Bogdanoff actually, wrote, I, wrote Red Star in 1905, yeah. I got ahead of uh, ourselves, probably. Andy, go ahead and take her from there. Yeah, so Aaron Bastani came up with the idea of fully automated luxury communism around 2014. Um, this idea, like you said, that we're going to have a totally automated economy. Uh, and, you know, at that point, we won't have to work anymore and we won't need capitalism anymore. Um, space comes into it because Musk was talking about mining asteroids. And Bastani basically said, yeah, that's a good idea. But if we mine asteroids, then we need to stop mining on Earth. What you want to do is you want to mine asteroids and then uh, just sell that at a slightly lower price than the Earth mining so you can make a profit. But if we mined asteroids, we wouldn't need to do any of this environmentally destructive and uh, cruel and exploitative mining on Earth. And so that's where space comes into it. Um, And so... Uh, Falk was a meme, uh, fully automated luxury communism, and then the space communism became a meme. And through that, these uh, meme people on Facebook and Reddit uh, and Twitter, uh, the memesters, discovered, uh, rediscovered Posadas, who was the leader of South American Trotskyism, Latin American Trotskyism in the 50s and the 60s, who talked a lot about space and a little bit about aliens and dolphins and a lot about nuclear war. When you say meme people, I have a vivid image of the Burger King kids, but they're all posting. I like it. Is that around what you were talking about? I don't know what they look like, but that's probably what they look like. Well, one's in a wheelchair, one is backwards hat. There's like a like a oh yeah, and their hamburgers or girls. They do have all (laughs) kinds of adventures. They're very savvy technologically. Oh, they're that shape fun gang. Yeah, they do a lot of they solve Burger King based mysteries. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, uh, that means they're cops. No, no, they're but no, not in that they kind of way. No, I never. You never see yep. them report to an authority of any kind. <laughs> no, so they're, you're, so you're they're out of the system. They're no, that's even worse. They're a privatized police force. <laughs> they're a yeah, force a for good. Mob. That's what that is. Yeah. Oh. This I will is not the second PDA. Slandering the Burger King children on our program. <laughs> This is the second straight time I've been on PDA, and you guys have started talking about the Hamburglar. Oh, yeah. It is not the Hamburglar. He's a fun guy. He's got a great costume. It's a different thing. All he's doing is stealing hamburgers. Just give him a hamburger. If we had fully automated communism, he wouldn't need to steal the hamburgers. The Hamburglar is a kulak. End of discussion. (laughs) I believe that. uh, Isn't that the dream, though? Free energy? I think that free energy, that, that's, that's what he kind of believes, right? Is that Posadas kind of believes that with connection to uh, meeting an alien race, that they would also freely give up the secrets of their free energy and that it would uh, destroy the the scarcity economy, right? Which I honestly, I, I'm all for it. They got to be great. Yeah, that's ex- my question. That's exactly my, what he believes. My, yeah. Yes, as a you as a ufologist, my my side of it is that if I believe that if aliens are actual like meat and bone creatures that are arriving here via ships. I don't think they're going to be that nice. I legitimately don't think that they are and I maybe that is me projecting my own personality onto these creatures, but unfortunately or entities or whatever you want to say them, I don't think necessarily he automatically assumes that higher technology means has higher societal values. So they think there won't be any war, that they won't come and and harvest us or turn us into some kind of worker race on our own, just as human beings in general. Um, They believe that they will come and they will be super 
you know they'll be super cool they, they will come and they will they will help the poor of our world and they will equalize all the classes but i think they're going to turn us into fucking chum. Well, something that's interesting about that that he talks about in this book is that um you know let's pull back from it and realize that aliens are only hypothetical to all of us that are thinking about them and writing about them up until this point <laughs> or at least as far as we know which means that what we're doing when we talk about them, when we make movies about them and stuff, and uh, we imagine whether it be in our when modern movies, <laughs> when we, when it, whether it be in our modern films or in the fantastical novels and uh, early films of the era. Uh, for instance, you might look at uh, Mary Shelley writing about electrifying a dead body with uh, you know the power of industry and uh, imagining the new possibilities of immortality, the ways our world can change with these various historical forces. All right, what we're doing, Frankenstein reference. What we're doing, <laughs> <laughs> snuck it in there. <laughs> well, what we're doing is we're projecting on certain reflections of our own societies. And so, what I think is interesting in uh, the approach to this book, and one of the things that it does when it, it crosses ufology and Marxism, is it it gives examples of both what Posadists and what socialists imagine aliens to be like, and what capitalists imagine them to be like. And with the, from the Posadist point of view, you're right. He's saying these are our pals. They're trying to bring us socialism. They're leaving us clues so that when we eventually become less violent, we can join this intergalactic society. But with capitalists, all the capitalist movies and stories about aliens are like um, the the fucking uh, the the, the Independence the Day, a, Independence Day, or like H.G. Wells. You know, War of the yes. World. They're uh, we're reflecting onto like we in capitalist societies when we imagine aliens as colonizers are reflecting onto them our own society because we're going well that's what we did right we literally did that oh yeah but that's what's a fun thought experiment it's a very fun thought that's what i i like the idea of playing with all of these but in my mind why would there not be again if they are biological creatures from another part of the galaxy why would there not be stripes of there would be different types of them as there are of us. There would be peaceful ones. That's when you see when you look into the the very esoteric and hard to understand world of alien agendas. The concept of the intergalactic commission comes about that there are many different races of alien. That there are those that view us with a sympathetic view and want to help us. There are also those that that are with view us as food. There's others that view us as literally like we are just a bunch of sacks of common eggs, and they're hmm. taking our common eggs the bad, the hard way, and they are they are using it for their own purposes. And that the idea is that we're just some, this kind of like monkey. We're this monkey here, like as a part of it. And we have our own little squabbles. But here comes an intergalactic socialist versus an intergalactic capitalist, and we're just. Like all of the people in the office buildings of every single Avengers movie that are just getting wantonly destroyed by their warfare, and we're just off to the side. Right, let, let me. Why would they care about our priorities? Let me jump in. Uh, so I really agree with uh, Sagan, Carl Sagan, and Josef Shovsky on this question. Um, so when when we're when we're uh, going through the Drake equation, uh, the the calculation for how many um, communicable intelligent civilizations exist in our galaxy, one of them is longevity. Um, so uh, the idea that a civilization that we have the ability to communicate with um, not only uh, could exist, but still exists, um, it means it, it will likely have had existed for a very, very long period of time. 
And for them to have existed for that long, they have to be sustainable. So they can't be like the locust aliens in Independence Day. They can't be warlike. They can't be like us right now because we're going to wipe ourselves out really, really. We're just going to be like nothing ever happened to this planet. So for them, so if they do exist, they're going to uh, be at peace. And I, this is what Posadas believe. This is what Dante Minazzoli, one of the Posadists believe. This is what Sagan and Shklovsky believed. And I think it's a, I, I can't argue against it. I don't think, I think maybe some of them could be evil and rogue, but they, they'd be very marginal and they'd probably wipe themselves out or be wiped out. Don't trust these lying <laughs> aliens. You're trusting the lying biological aliens. We can't trust them immediately. We have to trust them. We got to vet them. We have no choice but to stand. We got to vet them. <laughs> um, I want to see. No, I wonder. You guys ever see the Zerg? Yeah, the Zerg. They're the, not around very long. That's it's capitalist a great point. aliens, and Protoss are socialist aliens. They are, but they also have terrible weapons. But they also you hope never turn against you. <laughs> they also yeah. require vestments. Oh my god! I know. Okay. Um, before I think we just, I'm just gonna like kind of take a break here and give uh, Andy the floor to tell his story. Um, I wanted to talk one uh, about one more thing involving th- this world of memes and how this obscure socialist uh, life was sort of reborn in you know people discovering a lot of in- really kind of over the top and extreme and funny things about his work where he talked about aliens and dolphins and stuff like that and how he went on to, he had a, a second birth as a joke right um it's really interesting and it's also um it made me think about the concept of jokes because there is a line in the dispossessed which i know that i think we've all read uh because we were gonna do it think about it a long time ago but we had uh you know we got busy so uh we uh, kind of came up with this idea afterwards, but um, The Ursula Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin is a sci-fi novel from a socialist or... I, it's technically, a, yeah, it's in an anarchist perspective. That's kind of the idea. I do, I love yeah, the book. Uh, I think it's an anarcho-syndicalist society that's sort of being uh, presented in the book and then clashed with like one that's more like our uh, modern, you know, liberal capitalist society. Specifically um, 1970s liberal society. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, uh, it does present a utopian vision of the future which is something we're talking about and the uh she there's a line in it that is about the concept of the joke or the concept of swearing that really stuck out to me for uh you know forever since i've read the book and it's uh the language provic she's talking about the language provic or a character is to say provic was not a good swearing language it is hard to swear when sex is not dirty and blasphemy does not exist so i think in Mm. that line she is explaining um, that the byproducts of our society that make us nasty will be a thing that does not exist in a utopian society, which is a really interesting like way to think like, oh, when I'm more happy, mm-hmm. I won't need to make jokes or won't enjoy cursing. It's too much for my brain to handle because I love those things, right? But I love those things. I love those they things. Help, That's like my favorite shit right, in the world. They help you cope with the, the damage, right? And so I think what she's describing relates to Carl Sagan's vision of a society that's been around for so long that it doesn't live in this like gnashing, horrific, uh, painful way that we do. And it is, you know, as an alien you know, might be looking at us and going, nope, they're still figuring that shit out. Well, I mean, uh, 
not to like I don't, I don't think this comes across wrong but that's where the luxury gay space communism part comes in because if there's no rules then there's nothing wrong with being gay or any of the problems you have with it on earth oh I thought they you meant can just go hog wild and it's normal <laughs> I thought they meant in the future we're, we're gonna be, oh. all be gay you probably why why does we think that a utopia though would get rid of the existentials of just the exact existential dread of just being conscious like that's what I don't I feel like that the the times of my life has gotten better. I'm still faced with problems from the ins- from my own mind. Obviously, I know that it's in terms of the entire system. I've always been a part of it, and I will always have the grief of being a part of a, a driven money based system. Right, the idea of of I'm supposed to give something to society that the only thing I'm worth is the fucking what's in my bank account. But I still think that even if I'm in my fucking Herman Hess, I'm wearing a white smock. I'm fucking doing my fucking glass bead game and we're all sitting and playing fun future bocce ball and enjoying ourselves and eating the green goop it. that tastes like ambrosia, all this kind of shit. I get it. I, I think it's, it does sound great. I'm I think at Wookiee. some point, I, most human being, some human being is going to be like, he got a lot more green glop than I did this time. I wish I could get some green glop or man, I want one of those fuchsia spheres. Or some some something's going to happen. I just think that we're, we're we're unfortunately also a very vicious. Monk. Well, you're describing just the scarcity thing, the conditions that lead to class conflict to begin yes. with. So you're describing the problems of capitalism, yes. and we are talking about a utopia, which is a thing we'll probably never reach. So I think that uh, yeah, I mean the, you're right. It's impossible to even imagine because it just comes all the way back around again. I think these are great questions. Um, I can only tell you what Posadas believed. Which is that uh, communism, first of all, he believed communism was going to happen, like, very soon. He believed this, you know, in the 50s. He's like, by 1970, communism, for sure. Uh, there would be a yep. nuclear war first, of course. But his vision right. of communism uh, was a complete unity, not just of, like, races and no class, no, you know, men and women equal and all this stuff, but of humans with animals, humans with the cosmos, humans with aliens, uh, and even subject and object. So we're talking about a kind of unity, uh, this kind of singularity. It's based closer to the singularity. And the Bolsheviks also believe in something like the singularity, too. And it's something that we really can't conceive of right now. But Posadas, because his uh, international collapse... Whoa. About what? <laughs> about what? About yep. what? <laughs> As soon as he got to the truth. <laughs> you know, too. As soon as he got You know, to he it. totally has not noticed that he's checked out either and is still talking. No. <laughs> Wherever he is. No. <laughs> oh, Andy, okay. Boop, 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 boop. Well, he's the only one who knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's the only one that knows the information. <laughs> he wrote a book. He normally he lives next He wrote a whole door. fucking book about it. Text him. He's in Guatemala. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, now I'm going to try to explain <laughs> it. All right. Um, the, oh, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. The only thing that stuck me with Posadas was that he wanted to preemptively strike against America, which, I mean, technically he was right, you know, in a way. He was right. The idea of driving it all the way up, driving up and trying to, like, see where everything sorted out oh, yeah. in the end. I thought that was very interesting um, because, you know, again, you just kind of kind of love chaos. I mean, uh, it's an idea that back. would work. It's just the working part is a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, man. If that's the, the if that's the appetizer, then that's that's very bad. <laughs> that's the expression. That's my that's my big that's my educated. Hey, opinion. If that's the appetizer. That's very You're back. bad. You're back. You're yep. back, and we're still recording. So go off, King. Okay. 
So I dropped off at about, I believe I was about to say, uh, he had this vision about what utopia would look like. And so some things that would look like, for example, with food, we were going to eat way less food because we would just eat the most nutritious food, maybe just a pill or something like that. Um, about sex, we would only be having sex for procreation. No more sex. I'm out. Uh, (laughs) What? Um, this sucks. Wait, jokes? Wait, wait. No We're more having... jokes. I thought we were gay. <laughs> no, not. Oh not in man. His oh, he he did not like the gays. Wasn't uh, he, he kicked also out like anybody a cult? who was gay? It was a cult. Yeah, it was like a right. '70s New Age cult. But he was it was Marxism Leninism, and he wasn't the only one like that. I, you know, Marxism Leninism has been very culty and hostile towards gay people for most of its history. Um, yeah, but my point uh, so is, wasn't jokes. he slamming nonstop? Uh, he, he was, um, taking up some of the younger women in, in the movement. Yeah. Towards the end. The way um, you say it makes it sound worse than the way I said it, but yeah, I think that's correct. <laughs> it was, it's as bad as any cult. Um, and yeah, you'll get into that. I, I get into that in the book. Uh, but, uh, jokes, he thought that jokes wouldn't exist anymore. And he might've thought that cause everybody was making fun of him even in, in his own time. Um, but yeah, he said, he said in a 1970 essay, in uh, 20 or 30 years, jokes would no longer exist because they only serve uh, to like make our lives a little bit better when our bosses are treating us poorly or when we're losing in the class struggle. And under communism, we wouldn't need jokes anymore. Um, so he believed. I tell in- you what, he should have just waited to. He should just waited to 2020 because that's when jokes ended. Am I right, yes, guys? Come on! Wow! Right. Wow! He should have just seen yeah. my act, folks. Yeah, it's all about moralizing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, it is like kind of layers upon layers of irony that he's come back. That people remember him now, and he's actually at times, if you look at Google searches, he's more searched for than Trotsky himself. Um, at this Flex. moment, when we're at like we're at peak irony, and he said at by this point we wouldn't have irony anymore, but we've reached a level of irony that he's come back purely as this ironic Marxist-Leninist revolutionary figure. And it's only really come to hurt Trotsky, as history does. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I tell you what, it's a lot easier to read when I see a UFO on the website (laughs) than when I try to read about Trotskyism. And just because I'm I'm dumb, you know what I mean? And I just like a UFO. And I saw the dolphin next to the mushroom cloud, and I was like, all right. I'll read all of this. Like I will read every bit of it. That is exactly what I pitched. The dolphin stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I have. I don't understand the dolphin part. So there's always been like a major connection between uh, dolphins and people who are interested in the search for extraterrestrial life, starting with John Lilly, who was one of the people who uh, you know helped come up with the Drake equation. Um, And uh, but Posadas was into it because of Igor Charkovsky, who was a Russian midwife who invented uh, water birthing. And he believed Whoa. during one of his experiments, um, or during some of his experiments, he believed that dolphins would often come and help give birth. And they have, uh, he believed that there's a psychic connection, <laughs> uh, a psychic connection between dolphins and humans that made them natural midwives. Oh, yeah. And Posadas read oh. about this in 1980 or 1979, and he's like, oh, this guy is a he's a Soviet scientist, he believed that he was, you know, part of the Soviet state, which he wasn't. He was, like, kicked out of the Soviet Union, actually, because, like, uh, he eventually killed some babies during these experiments. Um, but he's like, the, the Russians are coming <laughs> to the point where we're having – we're making communism with dolphins. Dolphins are going to be 
our comrades. And he <laughs> saw us as another yeah. step yeah, towards dude. this unity between humans and animals and plants and the universe. And he thought it was a beautiful thing. Man, if I'm keeping track, we can't have sex, but we can be friends with dolphins. I mean, uh, you know who would be the still like I still like sex better than dolphins. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Is yeah, that bad? The first people out of the the communism pact will be dolphins. Upon finding out they can't have sex, <laughs> that's true. They are horny animals. <laughs> they love sex. That, it's why they're so smooth. That's how you turn them into capitalist dolphins. <laughs> that's right. They wear little suits. Yeah. And then they take off the suits. Little, little top hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of imagine just that this, the, you know, everybody's so excited to have the first dolphin midwife and you got the woman and she's breathing hard in the water and the dolphins come in and someone's playing a flute and everybody's so excited. But like, <laughs> look, look, the dolphin's helping. And then the baby crests and the dolphin just grabs it by his head and smashes it against a rock. I, I am very like, you know, just thinking it's food or think it's a toy, you know, like not understanding and just watching everybody's dream die. In the worst afternoon in the world. Tchaikovsky would probably be like, oh, that baby was evil. The, the dolphin knew. <laughs> yeah. That would, he, the dolphin just killed baby Hitler. Yeah. That's what happens when you time travel. You, you end up in a... You're a dolphin. You come out of the machine. Oh, fuck. I'm a dolphin. I want to kill Hitler. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, man. At what cost? How do I convince him? How do I get to his... How do I get to his summer castle like this? <laughs> Um, is there more to the dolphin thing, Andy? Uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot more in John Lilly. Uh, do, do you know John John Lilly, Henry Sabrowski? That sounds very familiar. Let me look this. You up. would love him because he was an import, a very important uh, SETI scientist um, who just did acid and went nuts, and you know believed that the dolphins were aliens and the aliens were sending him signals and. He was doing acid with the dolphins. Oh, I gotta do something. I love this guy. Yeah. I am looking at this right now. I have to. I have to invest some time in this. Yeah, he's the man. Like he, assuming uh, if if you're living the lighthouse life alone on a, a, a mountain with a telescope, why not just go insane on LSD? What do you <laughs> have to lose? Yeah, I do believe if I spend enough time on psychedelics and meditation, like you would really, con- you could come out of it seeing the future. I do believe the way is in and not out. I'm I'm almost of the mind that we are alone in the uh, physically in the universe. So we're either in some form of national natural like park like situation where we're being kept far away from everyone, or we are in a simulation. Mm. You're a believer in the ultra terrestrial hypothesis, are you not? I think that they are uh, they are not physical creatures for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think that they are. Uh, inter interdimensional. I think that we half think them into our world. Yeah, I'm. I'm along. And we are. We're the bridge. Yeah, I'm. Al- we're the I'm along those we lines too. But that's. But that's a uh, that's a step removed from the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Yes, that is the. It's the. It's the worst one. It's the one that makes everybody mad at you. <laughs> yeah. um, and they say you're not serious <laughs> enough, especially in ufology. Because define then, everybody. Ufology. They. <laughs> just your friends and your Mostly family ben just everybody around you and your yeah anybody within a 10 foot radius of you as you're saying the words yeah when you were describing aliens as meat and bones uh I, it occurred to me what do they taste like what do they taste like <laughs> we'll never Man, know. you get them on a low braise the thing about them is they don't have a lot of fat on them from what we've seen if they're real they're very very skinny so you need a lot of you have to add fat 
You have to add fat to the cooking, a lot of butter, and it would honestly probably take a lot of. It would have to. You'd have to break it no, down no. with are we, uh, like. Are we talking about the grays? Because the grays look like they taste like shit. No, the grays. You got. You got to eat yeah. the head. The bed's no. the biggest part. Yeah, you do. You go. You got suck yeah, the like head. A, That's the only way. Like a damn crawdad. <laughs> <laughs> you suck them eyes out. Yeah, suck them ears. I hate that. I hate any food where it's a man prodding at me, saying, "You got to suck them." <laughs> every single time you're eating. Oh man. This is All right, Andy. You want to? Um, where, where, where should we go from here? I mean, should we? Oh, hold on. Shit. And we just busted it open. <laughs> Well, are you? Are we recording? Uh, yeah, we're back. Yeah. Okay. Um, and go ahead. I um I had a question. So I have never. Uh, I'll tell you what. I've not read a lot. Uh, like leftist thought. To be honest, I've not really lo- read any leftist or rightist thought. I'm not. I don't read a lot about like kind of economical structures because I'm boring. So as I was reading about the these things for the first time, I will say they are just so hopeful. They're so hopeful. They really, they, and I and I believe, I think you're correct. I, it must be sort of a, a, a mentality that I was fed and the idea that we shouldn't trust our neighbors from space. Where, like, this idea that they're all going to come and fix us. But even if they are, even if they are a long-existing culture, like, they did live through whatever it was that kills most alien, like, intelligent species that are, that are, that grow on various planets... My, my one question is, why do we think that they would give a living fuck about us? Like, why would we think that even whatever state they are, that when we arrived, they would be, or they saw us, that they would care enough to come to us, if not to say, like, look at the tits and the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Dante Minazzoli, who was the he was the guy in the Posadas movement who was like really the true believer. Posadas believed, but he wasn't a, a great thinker about UFOs and, and uh, SETI. Dante Minazzoli uh, had a elaborate theory about this, and he believed that first of all he believed in uh, Eric von Daniken's idea of the ancient uh, the uh, ancient aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, well, they've been watching us for a long time because they, they saw potential in us. They were like scouts at a little league game in a, not a creepy way. And, uh, <laughs> and um, when we, we started to develop advanced weaponry, we scared them off. And they're like, fuck this, not worth it. Um, but then when we got nuclear uh, weaponry, they said, okay, they could use this nuclear weaponry for good to bring them to the next level where they can communicate with us. So they saw us entering space. They saw us developing the search for extraterrestrial life. And they came back. Like, they were a little bit curious. Like, what are these guys going to do? And they're now, and that's when the UFOs started coming. So the UFOs started appearing right in, what, 1949, right when the Soviet yes. Union uh, tested their first atomic bomb, right after World War II. Um, and so they're still waiting to see if we can just pull ourselves out of this bullshit phase of war and uh, destruction and reach the level where they can bring us into the intergalactic federation. Um, and that's why they care about us, because we're close to being their equals. So we got we to gotta play coy with them a little bit. We got to... That's what I'm saying. I think we gotta reel these. We gotta reel them in if we want to. We gotta seduce. We gotta them. use pickup. No, we have to. We we have to develop communism on Earth, full communism throughout Earth, to show them that it's safe. We're on their level and we're ready. Until then, we're just monkeys throwing 
uh, increasingly more dangerous bones at each other. Distribute mids. I see. A mids-based economy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it needs to be mids. Uh, um, Andy. I mean, that also... That's a very big change. <laughs> it I think really it's gonna is. Gonna take it? a minute. I think it, I think it might take a minute to get that. Um, I don't know if we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Can you give uh, maybe our listeners just a little background on who Jay Posadas is and uh, how he came to become this, you know, thinker from within socialism in this specific way? He was a Argentine Trotskyist. He grew up working class. He grew up very poor. His parents were shoemakers. Um, he himself uh, had a short-lived soccer career at the end of the 20s in Buenos Aires. Um, and uh, he, uh, But he was a socialist. He was a part of the Socialist Party. He dedicated his life towards the, the class struggle. And then uh, towards the end of the 30s, he got recruited by the Trotskyists, who were these, at the time, they were just these intellectual, Trotsky called them coffeehouse wankers because they would just sit in coffee shops. <laughs> drinking and uh and uh talking about poetry and shit and they're like oh cristali you know uh, uh Pistas, real name is homero cristali yeah. uh he's an idiot he doesn't know anything about marxism but he's a real worker and he really is dedicated so let's bring him in um so he basically uses his dedication his like i think he was like a very manic or something um and he rose the ranks of the fourth international which is trotsky's international party um, until the point where he led all of Latin America um, in, uh, in the, the 50s. Um, and he had ambition uh, by the end of the 50s to lead the entire world Trotskyist movement, which the Trotskyists at the time and still today believe is going to be the party that leads the, the world revolution um, and eventually is like in the, the leadership position of world communism. Uh, but when he tried to become the secretary of the Fourth International in 1961, uh, they're like, uh, no, you're not actually. <laughs> like, we're just treating you as a, as a paper pusher, essentially. Um, and that really pissed him off. He split the Latin American sections from the Fourth International, and they were like a huge, like maybe half of the international at that point. And so he was the leader of Trotskyism in South America, which wasn't a huge movement, but they were very politically influential in Argentina, in Chile, in Bolivia, uh, in Cuba. There were Trotskyists who were a part of the Cuban Revolution. And in the early 60s, he was leading the, uh, a guerrilla insurrection in Guatemala. So for a time, he was a really important figure. Like people in Europe thought this was like the Trotskyist Che Guevara. Um, but wow. times changed. Um, they lost in uh, Guatemala. Uh, they got suppressed in Cuba because he really pissed off uh, Fidel Castro. Um, Do you know what he did to and, Fidel Castro? Uh, the, well, um, among other, story. well, for one thing, d during the missile crisis, they were like, yeah, here it comes, nuclear war, let's do it. <laughs> uh, which Guevara and Castro, and apparently a lot of Cubans believed too. Like there's an essay from one of the Posadists who was in Cuba saying the Cuban people were really mad that they weren't nuked, essentially, right. um, during the missile crisis. And also, when uh, for Che Guevara left Cuba at one point um, for uh, the Congo and for Bolivia, but he didn't tell anyone where he was going. And Posadas was like, oh, yeah, Castro had him killed at behest of the Soviet Union because Guevara is secretly a Posadist. And so Castro denounced not just Posadas at this uh, international congress, um, but Trotskyism in general. And that was in uh, 65 or 66. And that's really when everybody starts hating Posadas. 
His international falls apart. Every, all the young people quits because everyone loves Castro. Um, and then it becomes this kind of it, it sinks into this cult, basically, in the 70s. So something I've done. And that's when the, the funny stuff happens. Something I understand about it's him. It's not funny before that. Stop is, laughing. Well, it really isn't because he's basically just this actual historical figure in the, the way that socialism is playing out in Latin America. But he's only known for this goddamn alien dolphin explosion nuclear bomb thing. Those are like the three big images. You gotta have a hook. Because mm-hmm. Even it starts from the you gotta have somebody put, you gotta put butts in seats <laughs> that people turn around and, and if he was alive now, he could understand, he could position this, he could figure out you could, you could get this bump like what uh, Papa John's doing. <laughs> he just get you get the you take the notorious news and you try to flip it back up. You know who knows what he could have done with this. He could have he could have gotten a TV show. He could like, any any sort of like some far forward. Well, that's why I think it's actually kind of the other way around, which is that he because he wrote about aliens like once at the end of his life, and then since all of this mm-hmm. shit was going down, where he was not coming on the. Uh, top end of it he wasn't coming out on the top end of these interactions uh it was used as a smear against him to make him look like a fucking wacko uh because he wrote about aliens one time so actually one time but you're right about the branding thing because that is the reason he has a rebirth like after his death and all of these ideas are coming back into you know this new uh fucking socialist movement of uh, uh dolphin meme people or whatever yeah, nobody cares about the other Trotskyists. No one cares about Ernst Mandel or Livia Maitan or Pierre Frank. Uh, like, th- yeah, no one knows who they are. Uh, but Posadas is like this fucking one of the, you know, if you're a young person online getting into socialism through memes, you know who Posadas is. That's, that's like, why this is an, you, I, you might think he's like one of the most important figures in history of so, in the history of socialism. Well, I think that you're right about like, here's what I think. I think the thing that they used to smear him ironically came back around and made him into a huge thing. And it did that precisely because that thing we were describing about the function of the joke and the function of irony being that it is way more useful when shit is way worse and it becomes way less useful when things get better. So, humor as the, is this sort of like natural antibody in our minds that comes in to uh, you know to kill a virus when it's really getting us down and as things have gotten worse that's what caused this guy's like whole being to be resurrected and uh, you know put under necromancy and uh, is like just just this weird flag under which like probably a lot more important things that we need to read are linked to from there but that kind of is the power of the goddamn dolphin memes but, you know, sometimes you think uh, I'm going to maybe this is going on a limb here. I think a lot of people like Harry Potter, right? I understand that a lot of them are actually very good books. But, you know, for me, I'm not as into it. But I think it's really nice that it gets people into reading. And so what you have to do, I think, somewhat is know that, yes, this is this might be a goofy way to get into this thought. Uh, it actually it is working. It is working for people because it's, you know, I read a lot more leftist stuff today about like words like dialectical. (laughs) I saw that way more times today because I read stuff about him and his connection to you. I mean, I know it sounds... I'm so curious as to what you've been reading based (laughs) on your description today. But I mean... (laughs) Well, I read his essay. I read the, the, the essay that he wrote about... Uh, UFOs, oh, yeah. the flying saucers, the process of matter and energy. I read that essay, and it's just interesting to see like wrap all these other things around it, and then I had to go from there 
to try to understand what a lot of these words and terms well meant. i know i i had to go i am kind of joking but i am also kind of serious in that like that, that's like what we're doing here we're not andy's smart we're both well, the rest of us are pretty dumb you know like we are just making this uh, palatable in the way that those fucking alien and and uh dolphin memes do but a ufology ruins people's <laughs> lives. That is very, very important. And y'all should even be wary that you started this bullshit <laughs> because it ruins people's lives. It leaves people alone. Stanton Friedman. No, no, one no, of the Henry. Best he, died, he died in a, a bathroom in an airport. Tom DeLonge just got divorced. <laughs> no! Was a, oh, yeah, it is. Since Recently when? single. And since all of this shit went down, <laughs> once he started giving money to his to the Stars Academy, ufology, it destroys everything. Right, but that that's why these ufology people need socialism because you know <laughs> it means you get together with your friends and you form a union and you get a mandatory girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> you get a mandatory girlfriend. They can't that's take huge. It away now. It's huge. It's incredible. No, but I she I loves will you say because they of do your aliens. <laughs> Ufologists argue a lot about gas money. So some kind of universal pay wages now, would actually really help the ufology community. See? I'm <laughs> They're going to need health care really bad. Most of them. <laughs> they have to have it. <laughs> they're going to get that. Get they have to have it because a lot of them need yeah, insulin. They're going to need. They're gonna have to, <laughs> there's a lot of diabetes in ufology. They have to fix that gamer foot they developed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Henry, have you, have you been to a ufology event like IRL? Can I... Can I confess? All right. So, Natalie and I, I've been to, I've been to, not anything huge, right? Like, I've met some ufologists. You know, I've had them in my home. Um, but when I, we weren't to, uh, Natalie and I, my wife and I, were going to go to this UFO meetup group about people that believe that they had been channeling UFOs, and we arrived, right? Like, I, we, you know, we went to this place, and it was a really sketchy church in van nuys and we showed up and we went to we were really we were like oh, we're excited but as we started getting closer to the building we're like what are we walking into this whole thing and we walked in and it was just one man sitting in a chair on a, on a bunch of empty chairs in this very dimly lit church and he turned around and he said you came <laughs> oh no and Natalie and I were like, we actually just have to grab something from the car, <laughs> and we just we, got, we just got the car and left. Yeah. Oh man. So, but that was not a big one, you know. More Mufon stuff. They have a lot of hors d'oeuvres, a lot of times, but Mufon's been they're kind of becoming particularly problematic as well because there's a lot of rogue elements because anybody can start a chapter right. for Mufon. You know I mean? MoveOn.org and their brand so, uh, offshoot MoveOn.org. <laughs> All right, and that is right where the audio cut out. Um, I think we were getting too close to the truth. And, uh, you know, maybe someone stopped us, or maybe it was aliens, maybe it was the, the government, maybe it was Skinner, you know, maybe it was, uh, 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 what else happened on that fucking show? The Three Nerds, The Lone Gunman, maybe they stopped us, or The Smoking Guy, I don't know, um... <laughs> 
it was just too too uh, henry was just getting right in there and explain you know actually that makes sense he was talking about the lonely lives of those ufo men they stopped our podcast okay um anyways uh we were almost done there was like 10 minutes left and so we'll you know we'll get back into it at some point um but uh yeah i just wanted to hop back on the mic here so that i could uh plug everyone's stuff because that we also lost that part of the podcast and that is the most important part is promoting our various content um so obviously check out andy's book it's available for pre-order on pluto press um it comes out uh april 20th of this year um but he uh yeah but you can pre-order it and that i know helps when you are a person who makes records and books and things like that it makes you look really good so check it out it's got a really fucking cool cover and it's a great read and uh i think you will not regret that um and obviously listen to the antifada uh, if you want to hear more Andy and more of our pals, um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, Henry Zabrowski, obviously listened to last podcast on the left. I know they just moved exclu- exclusively to Spotify. Um, so you can get their podcast there. They are doing a series on the JFK assassination right now that I'm really excited about. They just started. It's incredibly funny and incredibly interesting. Um, and, uh, I think you can get all their stuff and all of their other podcasts and stuff on the LP on the left network, um, LPOTL, um, and, uh, they also have a book coming out. I know they've been working on a, uh, like a, like a pet last podcast on the left book that is called, uh, it's called the last book on the left stories of murder and mayhem from history's most notorious serial killers. And it looks like it's going to be out in April as well, uh, by Marcus Parks, Ben Kissel and Henry Zabrowski. So yeah, uh, perfect. Totally fitting. Check out the last book on the left. And I want to believe, um, Posadism and left-wing ufology. Uh, and obviously listen to all of their podcasts and, uh, Henry's on, uh, your pretty face is going to hell on adult swim. Um, I think that's it. I'll come back and edit this if I totally fucked up plugging one of these people's things, but I think, I think everything will be in the show notes. Uh, please, please support and check out all their stuff. Uh, as far as we go here at, pod damn america america i uh no fuck this bad joke uh (laughs) we um obviously have our show here uh we have a patreon if you're a new listener um we do an extra episode every week so there's a ton of shit back there for like five bucks it's just five bucks it's fugazi just five dollars that's it no tears no nothing um uh, so if you like the show and you want to support and you want to get a bunch of free extra shit um to listen to Sign up for a damn Patreon. Uh, if you just want to help us boost our ratings, give us like a, a review, uh, rate, subscribe, all that shit on iTunes. That does help our numbers. Um, and uh, come to our shows. We do paid protest in Brooklyn, DSA fundraiser comedy show, and also uh, Alex runs Bad News. It's a comedy show at Cherry Tree Bar. Uh, but most importantly, most importantly, if you're a big fan of us and you live in New York, 
uh, A, thank you for coming to the live shows we did the, uh, recently, the live debates and stuff. That was a lot of fun. We had James Adomian on. It was really cool. We got to add him last minute. Uh, but if you really want to come to a live show and you really want to have your fucking socks knocked off, well, at least in the, <laughs> the capacity that we can do that, buy tickets to Pod Damn America's Super Tuesday show at Caroline's Comedy Club in goddamn Times Square. I know. You're going to have to leave Bushwick. Uh, none of us want to leave our various basements and tree houses that we live in, but we, but it's it's going to be the biggest thing we've ever done, the most work we've ever put into a thing. I know, I know. Trust me, I will show up for this one. It's <laughs> only <coughs> I'm trying to get my divorced kids back. I will, I will show up. I will. I'll quit the bottle. Um. <laughs> But uh, no, it's going to be fucking tight, uh, and we need to fill that room, so uh, please come on out. We just added Ted Alexandro onto it, which who you might remember from um, early on in our podcast. He's a great comedian who's got an album called the, um, or a special called The Senior Class of Earth, uh, where he has this incredible bit about the fucking, the Kylie Jenner uh, hand a Pepsi to a riot cop ad. Uh, he rules, so we're super excited to have him, and uh, Kate Willett from Apply Guys is also going to be on the show. Um, and the fucking world might end that night, so hey, come on, what, what better way to, uh, to rein that shit in? Because uh, all of our home states <laughs> are all happening that night, so like we might be happy or sad or fight each other. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but anyway, Caroline's March 3rd. Uh, link for that will be in the bio or uh, in the description too. Anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, keep uh, keep your ears peeled for uh, I think for another Posadas episode or another Ufology episode because there's a lot of shit going on here. We need to get into it, man. Um, all right, thanks. Hit the. Hit.